Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies, at Essentia Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your healthcare journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining Podcasts. Society-13.com I like to listen. the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 144th episode of the History Ghost Bump Podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on today's episode, we have a special guest joining us, a listener from over in the United Kingdom, and that would be Alana Ashby. How are you, Alana? I'm very well, thank you. How are you guys? We're fabulous. Yes, doing well. Well, Bob Sherfield had suggested that we do Haunted Pluckley Village, and then along came Alana, and she suggested it as well, and offered to do the research and come on to tell us about it. So we're looking forward to hearing that from you, Alana. And also, she has shared an amazing, supernatural, deeply personal story with us that we will be sharing with all of you guys on the Halloween episode. You are absolutely going to love the story. And it is so great. I'm going to save it for the last one we do on the special. Yeah, it's a fantastic personal story. So thank you so much for giving that to us, Alana. Before we get into talking about Pluckley Village, we want to point you in the direction of our website, historyghostbump.com. And Denise, if people want to get a hold of us and send us some feedback, where can they do that? They can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. And we do have a couple of emails to share. First of all, Scott Stuller, who had suggested Hotel Jeffrey to us, wanted to do a little follow-up. And he let us know that he had informed a local paper there about our episode on the Hotel Jeffrey. And Denise, they actually mentioned us on the Mariposa Gazette. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah, it says... um, Hotel Jeffrey, featured on Haunted Locations podcast. This is by Matt Johnson. If there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. One local man decided to call on an internet podcast to look into the Hotel Jeffrey in Coulterville. 
The hotel was featured in a 32-minute podcast called History Goes Bump. Isn't that cool? I think that's very cool. Now, I think there's more to this story, but you have to be a subscriber in order to read the rest of it. But I thought that's pretty cool that we got mentioned in there. So thank you, Scott, for doing that. And he also did a little bit of sleuthing for us because, you know, we kept wondering about what state the hotel was in. Is it opened yet? Have they gotten it refurbished? And we always appreciate our spook sleuths. So he said, I have since gone out to Coulterville to find out a little more about the restoration of this building. Looking at this hotel from the outside, you would never know that there was a fire. I talked to a docent at the local history center, and he told me to talk to Sarah, the owner. He said, I may find her at the cafe general store. I went in and was told I just missed her. The Magnolia Saloon is open, so I went in and ordered a beer to talk to the bartender. And the bartender said that he doesn't see her very much. I gave him the info about your podcast and told him to pass it along to Sarah. I knocked on the front doors to the Jeffrey, but no one answered. I talked to several locals in the nearby businesses, and no one knew what was going on with the Jeffrey at this time. So we don't know still. (laughs) We placed a phone call, didn't get anything back. So I'm guessing that it's still under refurbishment. They haven't officially opened it yet. That's what I would think. Otherwise, he could have probably gone right up and in. We're hoping that they do get it open soon, though. That would be very good. Then Dawn sent us an email after listening to our last episode, which featured the witch house in Salem. She said, hello, Diana Denise. I love, love, love your show. I only found it a couple of weeks ago, so color me binge. (laughs) I listened to your show on The Witch House and heard that you had only seen the outside. My husband and I did visit the inside about two years ago. I'm enclosing some photos for you if you're interested to see them. And what I will do is post these in the show notes under The Witch House so that you guys, if you'd like to see these interior pictures, you can do that. For the most part, the downstairs was really interesting. So much rich history in the items and we adored the fireplaces. However, the energy for me changed upstairs. I had a tougher time staying near the room that may have been the children's room. It had a tiny tea set and a cradle in the corner. When you look at the photo, it could be a trick of shadows and light, but it has feels to it. Burr. And there is a weird little white anomaly that's kind of above the tea set. So I don't know if it was like something that was on the back wall, if it what it is. But there's something a little different in that picture. Directly across from that room is the master bedroom, which didn't feel as strongly as the last. Standing in between the rooms so that I could see into either, I felt strongly uncomfortable with the children's room and nudged my husband to get moving back downstairs. We had gone in the month of May and the house was fairly empty when we visited. It's quite beautiful and I would definitely take another trip in if we go again. Thanks so much for so many hours of listening, enjoyment, and history. Also, I'll be writing back in. There are a few more stories I'd love to share with you. And we heard from Atticus on the website, I've been listening and enjoying the show for a full year now and have yet to write a review or comment, so here goes. I absolutely love the show. We listen to it in the car, in the mornings getting ready for work, and on our back patio in the evening. The hosts are positively fetching and outgoing, always making us laugh along with them. Thank you for the spooks. We hope to hear more and more. And we hope to keep bringing you more and more. So thank you so much for that comment, Atticus. We want to thank McKenna for her comments over on Instagram. And also we got a message on Instagram from ERD3. Me and my girlfriend listen to the podcast every night before we go to sleep. We love listening to it and learning so much about the history behind historical events. We hope to hear more soon. And they asked us to do another place, another location in Texas. Well, I told them we do have one coming up. I believe we're going to be doing something in Galveston next month. So Angie also posted in the Spooktacular crew a picture that a friend of hers took and a tale to go with it. We have the story that she shared with us and also the picture in the show notes today. 
My friend had an experience this past weekend about the lady in blue. I told him about History Goes Bump podcast and what it is about and wanted to share a story with you all. He said I could, so here's a story. So Maggie and I go to have our two-year anniversary dinner at the distillery in Moss Beach Saturday night. We read the story about the lady in blue haunting the restaurant since the 1930s. We learn that she was found dead on the beach right outside the restaurant and was wearing a blue dress. Little did we know that she likes to see people having fun and celebrating love. By coincidence, Maggie wore a blue dress and I wore a blue suit. Boy, were they tempting fate. We then learned that when she appears to people, her dress is now black. So we jokingly called out to her by name, Kate, and tell her that we're celebrating our anniversary and we'd like for her to visit our table. Throughout our dinner, she never came. Maggie watched as an eerie fog rolled in from the sea and wanted to capture a scary shot from our window front table. She was able to capture the fire pits from outside, but due to the glass, the top half of the image was a reflection of the interior and patrons dining. Or so we thought. A woman can be seen standing under the light and waiting at the bar, just like in the original story. Believe me, that was not a waitress, nor was anyone else standing in that position. Be careful what you ask for, because she came to visit. And Denise, I posted the picture here, and I put a circle around what they were talking about. What do you think? I think that is very, very compelling. And I also think this is a good lesson for all of our listeners to (laughs) never, ever tempt the spirits. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you get. When I posted this on our Instagram, some people said, well, it was probably just somebody who was standing there. But when you look at all the other people in the picture, it's almost like she's higher up than they are. And they're very clear. And she's not as clear. And I don't know. You guys know I am very skeptical when it comes to pictures. And most of the time I poo poo them because I trust Angie and she, I'm sure, trusts her friend and they would have no reason to make this up. And it looks like this person is wearing a black dress to me. I don't know. That looks like that looks like an apparition in that picture. I'm, pr- I'm pretty convinced that they got something unusual there. Could be a weird reflection. Could be pareidolia. Who knows? But from what I'm looking at here, it looks like something got caught there. So if you guys want to check that out, that will be in the show notes under Haunted Pluckley Village. And I've got it on our Instagram as well. And I'll tweet it out and stuff and see what people think. Also, I have a new podcast for you guys to check out. I just discovered because it just started. They only have a few episodes. It's a husband and wife team. So, you know, we love those, Denise. It's from Welcome Little Stranger. And the name of the podcast is The Most Wonderful Wonder. And they describe it as gothic Americana folk noir. They make up their own folk songs to go with the stories that they're telling. And the stories incorporate bizarre things in history, which we love. Tragedy, true crime, folklore, strange true tales. I believe on their first show, I was listening to it and I went, oh, this story sounds really familiar to me, only it was a lot more detailed. Remember that moment, Noddy, we did way back when we first started the podcast that was about that criminal? They skinned him and the, I believe it was... Oh, the, was it the lawyer the judge or the, or the lawyer or made, made his shoes out of him? Yes. Yeah, I do remember they that. They did that story, only they really fleshed it out. Can I say it that way? <laughs> oh, Diane. <laughs> anyway, it's a great show. Highly recommend you guys check it out. I think it'll be up a lot of your alleys. And it's history with weird. So what's not to love about it? We also, if you guys are into Disney and Disney podcasts, Podcateers. 
check that one out as well. Really been enjoying that show. All right. We want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Lance. Hey, Lance. Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Anthony. Hey, Anthony. And McKenna. Hey, McKenna. All right, ladies. Are you ready to go to Haunted Pluckley Village? Yes, we are. Let's do it. History Goes Bump is entirely listener-supported. Become an executive producer for as little as $1 a month. Get listed on the website and invited to exclusive virtual meetups. For $5 a month, you get that and exclusive bonus content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. For $10 and above a month, you'll get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump or you can support us via PayPal. Click the support the show tab at historygoesbump.com for more information. History is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to this moment in oddity. This moment in oddity was suggested by listener Timothy Rich. Spring Grove Cemetery in Ohio is the largest nonprofit cemetery in the United States. The grounds are beautiful and statues dot the landscape. There is a peculiar tombstone that features a partial bust of the man buried beneath it, and it has inspired a legend. According to the tale, the man buried here requested in his will that his eyes be removed and placed in the socket of the bust. The eyes are indeed lifelike, but, as we all know, eyes are some of the first parts of the body to decompose. The legend continues that the bust will even turn and look at people. The truth is that the eyes can be seen from a distance, and they are a bit disturbing. They are made from glass and painted to appear real, and as happens with paintings, the eyes seem to follow you. So when you find yourself in Spring Grove Cemetery, and you get that eerie feeling that someone is watching you, it just might be the bust of some dead guy with realistic eyes. And that certainly is odd. Day in History. This Day in History is by Richard Schaefer. On this day, August 22nd in 1798, the French landed 1,000 soldiers under General Humbert in County Mayo during the Irish Rebellion of 1798. The French were to assist the rebels in their fight against the British. The United Irishmen, a revolutionary group heavily influenced by the revolutions in both France and America, led the charge in the fight for Irish independence. The main uprisings and bloody guerrilla warfare had already taken their toll, and the British and their loyalist factions had been successful at beating back and destroying rebel forces. The 1,000 troops linked up with about 5,000 Irish rebels, and they struck a surprising winning blow against British forces. Despite the early success, Irish rebel forces and French troops were routed, captured, and destroyed. 
Irish rebels were executed and the French troops that were captured were traded for British prisoners of war. from victoriaslift.com When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying. The past remains with us and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. Guinness World Records has named Pluckley Village the most haunted village in England. Pluckley dates back to the 11th century and was owned by the Archbishop of Canterbury. It is located on a hill in Kent, and through the decades, it had expanded down the hill until the Black Death decimated the population in the 14th century and sent survivors back up the hill. One of the more well-known areas is the Daring Wood, named for one of the more well-known families to live in the area. There are reports of as many as 16 ghosts in this village. And so where exactly is Pluckley? So the village of Pluckley is in Kent, which is south of London in the UK. Okay, about how far out of London is that? Um, I would say it's around, gosh, I don't even know. I'd say it's about an hour and a half outside of, of the city of London. But oh. um, London's a very strange place because it's got lots of London boroughs, so technically up till about Bromley Kent you can class as a London borough and it's about 40 minutes from Bromley so yeah I'd say about I'd say about two hours from from the city centre itself in London. About how many people live in Pluckley? There's about just over a thousand people that live in in Pluckley village itself. It's quite a a tourist haven so there are lots of people that come in and out of of Pluckley um, but actual residents I think it's just over 1,000 I think it's the 1,049 people that live there, I think it is. What makes this particularly special, and I don't know if that's why people tend to go there, but apparently it's supposed to be one of the most haunted villages there. It's supposed to be the most haunted village. (laughs) The most, Um, not one of the most. Yes, it's supposed to be the most apparently haunted village in the UK. It was actually in the Guinness World Records book for being the most haunted village in the UK, which is uh, quite a... I don't know if you have the Guinness World Records in America, but um, it's quite an award to win that. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely do. And I remember one of the first treasured books I ever had was a Guinness Book of World Records. And I just loved reading that thing. I think most kids in the UK got that for Christmas every year. Okay. So Pluckley, do you know anything about its origins, how it got started or anything like that? So the actual village itself is in is situated in the top of like the Quarry Hills, which is in the centre of Kent. It's some hills that run through it. And it's a very, I'd say, picturesque and beautiful village. I mean, there's lots of little cottages um, and houses. There's a, a church and a parish there. Pluckley itself was has kind of only really been known and, and notified about because of these hauntings that happened there. Um, but it was... It was mentioned in the Doomsday writings in 1088. So, I mean, it's been around as long as, as Doomsday, I guess, longer than that. But it's it kind of really got notoriety in the 15th century onwards. Okay. Now, um, the Doomsday writings, could you share with people what those are? The Doomsday book is a large land survey 
um, that was done in 1086, which was commissioned by William the Conqueror to assess the extent of the land and resources being owned in England at the time and the extent of the taxes he could raise from those themselves so it was kind of like your original census i guess in a way you know you hear doomsday book and you're thinking are those the writings of nostradamus or something exactly (laughs) i think i think we all got very excited at school talking about the doomsday book and it was going to talk about lots of horrendous things that happen and you find out that oh no it's actually just talking about how many sheep and cow you've got the one of the things i absolutely love about the uk is how steeped in history things are and and how old things are no, we definitely want to come visit the United Kingdom and explore the castles and things because we don't really have castles per se over here. And just, I mean, we're, we're a very, very young country, so it's always mm-hmm. nice to go over to places like anywhere in Europe, but like the United Kingdom and see all the amazing castles and just the history and the architecture. It's just amazing to us. Uh- it is, and it? it's. I'm very blessed in the fact that I can jump on a train and be in in the city of London in 25 minutes. And every time I go there, is something new. There's something different. There's a new building that I haven't seen before. That's been there since before my great 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 grandfather or grandmother, and it's been stood there this whole time, and I just haven't noticed it. And they're just stunning. And you see it on TV programs and you see it in films. And I don't think people in the UK, unless you're into history or or architecture or into something other than going out clubbing or seeing Big Ben, I don't think people realise how incredibly beautiful um, London can be. And lots of people that jump on the bandwagon when tourists say, oh, I love, you know, I love the UK and I love London. And people go, oh, no, but it's scummy here and it's not very nice here and it's not very nice there. But you forget how beautiful it actually is. Well, and I think sometimes people take it for granted. Massively. Yeah, yeah that you have definitely. all those old buildings because here we just don't have that kind of stuff. I, like, oh, that I think when you go to uh, any any person from the UK that goes to America, they think they're stepping onto a, a film set wherever they go. And I think in anybody that comes to the UK feels like they're going back in time sometimes. Exactly, because it's just here, you're lucky if a building is 200 years old while there. You're like, well, that castle's been here for eh, six, 7,000 years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just just a couple of a uh, couple more years than anything that's going across the pond. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Now, whenever we look at these places that are haunted, we like to know the history that's going on there because you want to figure out, well, why is this place so haunted? And for this to be the most haunted place, you think there's got to be some major stuff going on here. I know that the Black Death hit that area pretty hard. Yeah, it did. And for such a small village, they were hit very, very strongly. But Kent itself has kind of got a reputation. It was it was kind of like smuggler's paradise in Kent because you were just outside of London. Um, you had lots of farmyards and villages, but you also had lots of parishes and churches and lots of the gangsters, putting it uh, American, but the villains and the crooks in the UK. They used to meet in sort of village graveyards because people didn't really sort of go to a village graveyard to do anything other than to spy and to meet um, up with with other villains and things so it's, it's quite interesting the fact that lots of quite bad things happened in Kent and especially Pluckley itself has, has, has got lots of I don't know if you know it's got 15 reported 
ghosts, not 15 sightings, but 15 separate ghostly occurrences that happen on a, a, on a regular basis there. The thing that's, that's quite interesting about it is the fact that Kent is incredibly famous for smuggling. And in the 18th and 19th centuries, sort of gangs would actually sort of push people out of villages to, to take them over, to use them as, as grounds for smuggling in and out of both the water because you're not that far from, from Ashford, which is by the water, and, and also to be able to get in and out of London. So it's it's definitely got some um, darker sides to it. Yes, I did know there were quite a few different um, regular hauntings, and I do know that they also have their infamous Lady in White as well. They have two Ladies in White. Oh, wow. Yeah, just to show off, and a Lady in Red. Yes, I, I knew that they had a Lady in White and Lady in Red, but I didn't realize there was two Ladies in White. So yeah, they definitely have to show that they are the most haunted. Oh, of course. We have to trump everybody here. <laughs> <laughs> Show offs. <laughs> exactly. I, I think from what I've understood and what I've researched, I think the lady in white and the lady in red, and then the third lady in white, I think they, they could all be the same person. But I can't tell for 100% sure. A lot of what happens in Pluckley is, from my experience, legend, folklore has been kind of embellished over the years i don't doubt for one second that there is paranormal or ghosts that are around i just think that most people when they see what they call the lady in white it could be movement of mist or it could be a lady that they see but i i'm still a bit curious about this lady in in red right now um just a question have you yourself experienced any paranormal things in pluckley Yes, I have. But mine mine wasn't, I, I never got the uh, wonderful experience of a, a full-bodied apparition. I, lots of sounds, lots of bumps and knocks. I went there with some friends and one of the things that we experienced was actual intelligent responses to questions um, via knocks and things. And, and being a sensitive person, I'm still sceptical because... I don't know when when someone somewhere is so famous and and 90% of their tourism is based on how haunted somewhere is. I don't know if there are things set up or, you know, who's listening, who's going to try and wind you up and and that kind of thing. So I was very much aware of, of the situation itself. And my friends were quite girly. And every time there was a knock or anything, you sort of had to wait for them to calm down for about sort of three to five seconds afterwards because it was lots of squealing. <laughs> That's because you guys were out there tempting the spirits. That yes, always results yes. in squealing. I, if if <laughs> only I had heard the podcast before, Denise, I promise I would not have tempted the spirits. <laughs> I promise you. So when you ask them the questions, what kind of questions were you asking? Like, is anybody here? Were you asking what, what kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, in, in the UK, we've got a, a TV program that kind of like you guys have got your, your ghost hunters and your ghost adventures. We had Most Haunted, which is by a, a lady called Yvette Fielding. There's been some very questionable sightings and shows um, to the point where they've kind of been under a, a, a magnifying glass and, and were pulled apart for their, I don't know if you've heard of him, a very infamous, I'm not going to say famous because he's a pain in the bum, but a, a, an infamous psychic called Derek Acora. Oh, I don't is, think we've heard of him. Not and, legit. Um, he kind of got, <laughs> he had, there's a, an episode where he kind of got caught out of um, making things up, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was really sad because I think for for many years everybody was like this is the best thing that's ever been on television since Strange but True, which was another really good program back when I was a kid. They reenacted 
events and it was like do you believe in it or don't you believe in it it was really cool it was like one of the things on a friday night when you finished school or if your friends would get together and that was the thing you watched before you went to bed and then you sat up all night talking because you were too scared to sleep <laughs> it almost seems like people like that when they start a show they get themselves painted into a corner too because when you have a show that you're having to air you know it's like oh my gosh oh my gosh we need this and they sit for hours and hours and hours and that's not exciting content so i can see why somebody would be tempted to embellish or maybe maybe help it along yeah i think a lot of the time the the ratings would be pretty poor if all they did is sat there and looked at a load of people on night vision they can do that and watch big brother if they want to and watch them all snoring and sleeping All right, well, let's get into talking about some of these ghosts. Which one Mm. would you like to touch on? Probably for me, um, from from my experience myself, I think the Screaming Woods is very interesting. The Highwayman and the Red and White Ladies are, are probably the ones that I could say I had the most experience around. But there's also the Phantom Coach and Horses and the Old Gypsy Woman. Well, let's start with the Screaming Woods. Because <laughs> That's what I was just saying. I wanted to start because that is very intriguing and very freaky. I'm seeing these trees. Like, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been over here, but yeah. uh, have you been to Disney World or Disneyland? I have. Did you go I on Snow Disney. White's uh, Scary Adventures ride? Yes. So that's what I'm picturing, are these angry trees with these horrible faces and branches and things. Yes, I genuinely would prefer that. Daring Woods is horrible. <laughs> now, is this named for the Daring family? It is, yes. Okay. Yes, it is. The Daring family was very prominent in Pluckley, and many locations are named in their honor, from Daring Wood to the Daring Arms Pub. They are of Saxon origin and descend from Ethel Ward, King of Dira. They began to rise in stature at the beginnings of the reign of Henry II. They inherited the manor of Sarendon to the east of the village. The Darings were barons who created libraries and launched new regiments. The Daring Arms was originally a hunting lodge built for the family in the 1840s. So they were kind of the original family that that were there, both there and, and there's some locations other locations within the village that are, are named for the daring so there the woods itself i think from from what i gathered from there was a very lovely lady that worked at one of the pubs there that gave me some information she said that there's somebody that i should look into is um frederick saunders who had a a book out pluckley is my playground i think it was in in sort of the 1950s and he talks about daring woods a lot there in in that and she was really helpful this lady and, and the great thing about Daring Woods is that it's, it's a public accessible place, but that also, I think, narrows down the possibilities of it being something genuine. In in my eyes, it's 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 an over-contaminated place, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So it's like, is it really you're hearing ghosts screaming mm-hmm. or is it other noise? That's legitimate. Well, wind yeah. going through branches can sound pretty, mm-hmm. pretty scary. It can sound hurt. Yeah, it can sound really, really horrifying. And and I think I don't, again, it's, uh, I'm saying this as though you don't have foxes. Of course you have foxes. But in the UK, during certain seasons of uh, fox life, mm-hmm. the foxes are <laughs> um, mating and also having babies. And the sounds that foxes make can sound like someone is being brutally murdered. It's, oh, it's horrendous. It can be incredibly frightening. And it is literally like a cross between a baby and a lady screaming. It's absolutely petrifying. So there's lots of stories of people hearing screaming coming from the Mm -hmm. woods. And it very well just could be foxes, especially 
you know, back in that time, I'm sure the, I'm thinking these hauntings date back to the Darings had more of a foothold back in the Victorian era, I think. Yes, they did. Yeah. And back then they uh, might not have been as familiar with foxes and things making those no, noises. And owls and things like that as well. It's there, There's a story behind, so behind the Daring Woods is the screaming man. Now, Apparently, there was a man who worked at the Brickworks, which is actually isn't anywhere near the woods, but it's um, not far away from where the highwayman is also reportedly seen was near the woods. But in, in the Brickworks, a young man got his arm stuck in some machinery. And apparently you can hear his scream that just sort of resonated across the, the woods and, and, and other, other areas of Pluckley. And that's kind of where the screaming man comes from. And they, they've kind of mixed in the screaming man into the screaming woods and, and things like that. So it's quite fascinating where they, they think that the screaming sort of came from. But there's no, from what I've been able to research, there's no actual fact of why there would be screaming in these woods other than people being frightened and from this man who unfortunately lost his, his, his arm in the brickworks. So he lived, but he just lost his arm? As far as I know, there are some reports that say that he died um, there are some that said that that he didn't lose his arm; that he was just quite badly hurt. But I think from what I've actually managed to get is the fact that he did survive, but then died later on from his injuries. Well, this kind of reveals how urban legends work. You get a story that gets started, and then they kind of mix together, and they all become one. So now the screaming man, who probably didn't die anywhere near those woods, is right. haunting them because there's the screaming effect, effect yeah. that goes with both. Yeah, exactly. And it's there, there are foxes, there's deers, there's pheasants, there's even peacocks in Deering Woods. So for some people, I think that if you've ever heard a peacock sound, it's again, it's quite a strange, you don't expect them to make that sound. History that again, that like you said, it could be made up or folklore or whatever that talks about a Halloween massacre that happened in the woods. And it was in the newspaper. And it, you know, if you look online, you can find it. But all of the photographs that are actually linked to that are actually from completely different places. It's really, they're actually from um, a multiple murder that happened in Philadelphia in 1949. And there's also pictures of people saying that they found lots of bodies. In, and it was actually a Soviet officer um, with Lithuanians who was actually exhuming bodies of Jews in the woodland near somewhere completely different in, in, in America. So there's lots of fake things online and having to filter through it was quite difficult. But speaking to people was probably the most interesting. Okay, because sure. I was going to ask, because I had found the article about the 20 dead bodies found in the woods, and they were thinking mm. that it was a massacre. So thank you for clearing that up for me. Yeah, there was apparently there was no massacre. That it was, it was actually photographs taken from somewhere completely different and, and put up on there just to make the screaming woods a little bit more um, exciting. So they dug up all these bodies, but it wasn't it wasn't ever proven to be it, it could have been a story could have been right but the photographs definitely weren't and as far as I can tell from records and stuff there was never a, a, a murder that was found a mass murder especially in in Deering Woods. Okay and so probably the four teenagers disappearing after seeing lights and stuff was probably another made-up one. <laughs> Again it's another story I just can't find any genuine roots to it. I think the thing is in, in the UK is the tabloids will literally put anything up. I mean uh, you, you know you say that You've got a third arm and you've got 19 people around your house sort of asking for interviews and you figure out, oh, no, actually, it's just a piece of string that I found off my T-shirt. But people will still print it saying you've got a third arm. <laughs> <laughs>
there's also a, a, a story that goes by where there's a, a, a gentleman that's quite well known for saying, oh, I made everything up that I said about Pluckley Village and that he embellished lots of stories and things like that. So it, there's a, a guy from the village called Desmond Carrington and um, he said that he did concoct a whole string of stories um, that featured in a television article in the 1950s. And I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of these stem from. I think once you plant seeds into people's heads, they start believing and start seeing and start experiencing things that if you'd never mentioned it, they probably would never see or they wouldn't look at twice or whatever. Earlier, you had mentioned a figure called the Highwayman. And I don't know mm. if over there it means the same thing as here. But generally, when we mention Highwayman, it's somebody who's robbing people as they're traveling. Is this the same yeah. thing? This guy, so the highwayman is also known as the screaming man. Okay. Um, and the highwayman is someone who operated on Fright Corner, which is uh, another area, um, which is actually, this real name is Frith Corner, um, but they call it Fright Corner. Now, there's two things. So some people that I've spoken to about this, a highwayman is someone that works on the highways. Okay. So you could go down that that route, but you've also got a highwayman who travels the highways and whilst doing, because highway is actually kind of a, an American terminology rather than a UK. We say things like dual carriageway or motorway or road. Highwayman is actually quite an Americanized way of saying things. The Red Lady, what is mm. her story? <laughs> there's lots of accounts and lots of legends that are kind of attached to this woman and it's supposed to be a lady that's actually part of the daring family she's apparently seen in the manor um Serendon, which is actually in the parish itself so she's supposed to be in the graveyard of st nicholas church and she's apparently looking for the grave of her child which is supposed to be an unmarked grave both herself and the baby died in childbirth St. Nicholas Church is 900 years old. It is the Diocese of Canterbury. The church is beautiful inside with a crown post roof in the nave. There are two stained glass windows, with one in the east representing Jesus, and the one on the north features the Annunciation. These windows were designed by Francis Stevens and John Hayward in 1954, so they are quite modern. Built in 1475 and at the east end of the South Isle is the Daring Chapel. There are brass pictures depicting members of the Daring family, Sir Edward Daring had them made in the 1630s to represent his family ancestry. Perhaps it is the connection of the Daring family to this church that draws the Red Lady to haunt the place. She is a dark-haired lady, and she's supposed to be in a very, very bright red gown. She was supposed to have had an, an illegitimate child, and that's why I don't think the baby had a, a marked grave. In the actual churchyard itself, the baby is buried somewhere, but nobody knows exactly where. So at least the child was buried in a graveyard. It was just an unmarked grave. And it's suggested that the lady in red is actually one of the ladies of, of, of Daring. So it would have been quite scandalous back then to have had an illegitimate child. You know, these women looking for their babies are becoming almost as common as the lady in white. There are so many stories of that. I think from, from what you and, and Denise say about the fact that children don't come back, I'm wondering, this is just a, an idea in my head, is the fact that they're looking for their children because they do pass on and they go somewhere better. And when the adults are still here, they're still looking for their children. Oh, that's a really good thought. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, for, for me, I've I've had an experience of, of a young boy. But again, like you said, it could be something that is someone else manifesting or, or something else manifesting should I say and I, I you don't 100% know but if and I do hope this because I've I've had some very you know sad facts of some beautiful people very young people have, have, have passed away that I know of and, and I really do hope they go 
on and they're not stuck in this limbo of being here or being a, a a residual haunting even that you know it must after a while it must take its its toll on somebody and especially someone so young that doesn't understand necessarily what's going on um but i do when i heard your po- podcast and you were saying about the fact that you don't believe that there, there there are children's spirits it kind of gave me a little bit of of hope in the fact that maybe these children do pass over and that's why lots of women are searching for their children and and things like that that is an amazing theory. Thank you for sharing that because yeah. that hadn't even occurred to me, but I think that is very possible. This red lady, does she seem like she's more residual or intelligent? Again, it's it's a matter of opinion, I guess. There are people that say that, that they, they see her in the same sp- in the same place. It's continuously in, in this churchyard of St. Nicholas's Church, but then there are other people that have said they've seen her in other areas. Whether or not it's, again, the same lady or if it's another lady or if it's someone planting seeds into somebody's head. But the, the I guess the earliest sighting that was recorded was this Frederick Sanders that said that in his article in 1955 that he'd seen sightings of a red lady and a white lady and a grey lady. But the actual story that I managed to find, and there's there's several stories actually, is that there was a, a Sir Daring um, who was the fourth baronet in 1679. Um, who died actually on my birthday in 1711, was married to Mary Fisher in 1704, and Mary died in 1707. It was a result of childbirth of their youngest son. There's also ideas that Mary was born at a different time and that she had a different girl and not a boy. Um, And there was Lady Mary Daring, the wife of this baronet, that she was buried at the church in in St. Nicholas's. But then there's also saying that they got married at St. Nicholas's and that she was buried somewhere else. So there's lots of different um, (laughs) things that it could well be. Well, at least there's some history behind it. So it has more of a possibility rather than the urban legends. Yeah, so this this lady in red is supposed to be Mary Daring's or Lady Mary Daring's is what most accounts are saying. We've got the late the white ladies. We can discuss the white ladies if okay. you like. So tell us about so, these white ladies. There is a white lady pretty much in in every ghost story here about in every village that you've gone to. And um, again, this could be there are some facts behind this that could be linked to the legend, um, but most of the time they are legends bless them so there's two locations that are sort of known for haunting by this white lady so she's supposed to be another lady of the daring family but she's supposed to be a younger lady so it seems to me that the darings kind of aren't willing to let go of good old pluckley village but you'll hear in this story that i'm about to tell you how it very much sounds like the red lady the white lady is supposed to be very very beautiful lady she comes from the graves and the graveyard of, again, St. Nicholas Church. So, again, kind of very similar to where the Red Lady is. She has been supposedly buried in a white gown and that she was given a single red rose. Um, And she's seen floating in the churchyard on misty nights and is also seen manifesting within the chapel itself. So there's sightings of her in the graveyard and then inside the St. Nicholas Church itself. She's also seen to be kneeling at the chapel. So she seems to be obviously a, a lady who very much is looking for answers, I guess, from maybe God or or, or something like that from herself. So um, it's also said that she's been seen in the library at the Daring family home, which is Sarandon in the village itself. There's reports the fact that she has dark hair and that she has a bright white gown. So for me, it sounds exactly the same as the lady in red, but that she's in a white dress. So I don't know whether or not it could be a, I don't know, a a change of seasonal attire. Or, you know, if she is more intelligent, maybe she can choose how she appears. Yeah. 
And also, I think from the, the sound of the single red rose, it could be that people have seen the lady in white, but they've concentrated on the red rose maybe and, and seen red or something. But it just sounds very much like she's exactly the same woman. But it's also there's a grey lady that's exactly the, it's, it's the same story It's somebody from the Daring family that they, they seem to be sort of around St Nicholas's church and one of the places I went to was uh, was churchyards and I, I do I do think that again it's that thing of being cold you get mist in front of you and and fog and you I think people forget I mean the UK is renowned for for fog it you know we've, we're a damp place that creates fog in, in lots of different places and and I think that that itself is is something that people see like the mists and the things like that but there are some quite incredible pieces of footage online and and things like that of of these mists that come in in quite concentrated lumps and and things like that that, that you could think to yourself well that could be a spirit and they're saying that that could be the grey lady but all I see is mist. Legends say that Lady Daring was so beautiful that her husband had her body embalmed and encased in four coffins, three of lead with an outer oak one. The theory is that since she did not receive a prompt burial, she is at unrest and now haunts her former home. In 1952, Sarindan Daring was burnt down in a mysterious fire. A few parts still stand today. This St. Nicholas Church seems to have a lot of hauntings involved with it. Is it just because it has the graveyard there? I think it's because the Daring family are all buried there, so it's a like almost like a family plot. And I think because a lot of people think that it's the Daring family that do the the majority of of the the major hauntings in in Pluckley Village, that that that's kind of where they all stem from, I guess. Legend and folklore and the actual history behind it is actually quite hard to to pin down. The first three Darings were the baronets, so the the, the men themselves were actually all Edward Darings. So. You had Sir Edward Darren, the first baronet, Sir Edward Darren, the second baronet, and Sir Edward, the third baronet. Um, and then the fifth and sixth and seventh baronet were Sir Edward as well. <laughs> so they seem to, and the eighth, I think, as well. So they, they seem to quite like the Edward Daring name, that's for sure. They all died quite young as well from records in their sort of 20s and early 30s. And I guess that was reasonably, not I wouldn't say normal, but it was, you know, lifespan sure. was a lot shorter then. But three of the... Edward Daring's married Marys and so I think they say that these three Marys two of them are the white lady and one of them is the red ladies but they could all actually be the same Mary Daring sure for instance Sir Edward Daring the second baronet um who died in 1684 I think it was he was married to a a Mary Harvey and they had 17 children oh Oh my god like that doesn't even I don't even know how you can equate to that when you're so young. Out of the 17, 10 of them survived to childhood, which is quite a, a big thing, really. Sure. When you had, I think they just kept having children because you never know which one of them survived. I'm sure there was lots of love involved and things like that. But in terms of keeping on the family name, I think a lot of them had, had lots of children. So they had at least two sons to carry on the name and in case one son didn't make it, etc. So Sure. The Daring Arms was originally a hunting lodge built for the family in the 1840s. This pub is reputed to be haunted by an old woman who sits at a table near one of the windows. She wears period clothing but looks so lifelike that people usually think she's a real person until she vanishes. Is Pluckley Village truly one of the most haunted places in the world? Is it the most haunted place in England? Do ghosts wander the woods and buildings of this village? Is Pluckley Village haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, it sounds like a fabulous place. I want to visit for sure. 
I definitely want to go there. Our next episode is going to feature a location suggested to us by Emily Ridner, and that is the Whitney. So looking forward to bringing that to you guys. And we want to let you guys know who are executive producers that we are planning on another virtual meetup at 1 p.m. Eastern time on August 28th, 2016. We'll get that set up and send the links out to all of you. And that's for any executive producers that are giving at just the $1 or above level. So all you got to do is be giving us a dollar a month and you are into the virtual meetup. Right. So we look forward to meeting all of you. We've had a really good time the last one we had. We did. And it went a long time, too. And we have a couple of reviews from iTunes. First up is from the UK, Alan T2510. Five stars, very enjoyable and spooky. What an amazing podcast. I've been listening to podcasts with true ghost stories for several years, and I'm glad to say History Ghost Bump has quickly become one of my favorites. Although many of the stories are US-based, I still enjoy hearing the history and the ghost stories associated with them. Diane and Denise's personalities shine through, and they complement each other perfectly. Well, thanks so much, Alan. And I bet you're happy to hear this episode that we just did here because this is over in the UK. So thanks for listening. And then we have from the US, Mr. Bear in Miami, late night company, five stars. I absolutely love this podcast. Loved it from the get go. I drive for a living and I've spent countless nights up and down I-95 listening to you guys in the wee hours of the night. Makes for an informative and spooky drive. I love the dynamic between you guys and feel like I know you guys personally. Keep up the good work. And as for the comment about Denise's voice, I find it soothing. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Bear. And a shout out to you. I saw your message to us over on Instagram as well. And we would love to meet up sometime. Thank you so much for the suggestion and for joining us. We love doing That's this. No Absolutely. It's been such an honor to speak to you guys. It's, it's incredible. It is literally like, it's like having a, a speaking podcast that speaks back to me when I say silly questions. <laughs> of course, if this happens later on when you're listening, just be a little bit nervous. Yeah, go, go, go and see my doctor. <laughs> yeah, we should not be talking back to you. <laughs> I want to thank you all for joining us. I've been your host, Diane. This has been Denise. And I'm Alana. You guys take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Thanks. Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.